Okay, so I just wanted to hop in before my podcast began and just apologize if the audio isn't up to par and if you hear some background uh, noises. I was recording this and my mom and my sister were in my house and um, my microphone isn't the best quality. So I just wanted to put a little warning there. But yeah, enjoy my podcast. Welcome back to my podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Harlem Renaissance. Okay, so the Harlem Renaissance was an African-American artistic and intellectual movement that flourished throughout the 1920s. Um, So this movement was based in Harlem, New York, as the name says, but it influenced the entire nation and still holds its own today. Um... So, although the movement peaked throughout like the late to uh, the late 20s, it impact continued into the 30s and beyond and you can still see influence from it in today's art. Um it was called the New Negro Movement during its time. It was essentially the flowering of a unique African American culture. Um, African-American writers, poets, artists, musicians, and intellectuals found ways to express pride in who they were. This was really important because this was following kind of like a post-slavery kind of like segregation era. Not post-segregation. This had happened in the 20s. So, and as we know, segregation continued on way into the 60s. But this was important because it allowed these artists who previously were looked down upon and were like stolen and it, it allowed them to have a way to express themselves. Um, and so the art often featured like bold colors um, arranged in like an expressionistic fashion. These pieces often portrayed educated, um, well-to-do African-Americans dancing, making music, dining, or engaging in, like, pleasurable activities. I think this is very, very interesting because it kind of, like, gives you the sense, like, they're using their art to portray how they would like to be treated, how they should have been treated, if that makes any sense. Um, a... Like, when I think of the Harlem Renaissance, I think of the jazz and the blues movement. Um, I think of tap dancing and and really just, like, this strong, soulful music. Okay, so let's get into some famous people from the time. person I wanted to talk about is Edward Kennedy Ellington, more famously known as Duke Ellington. He was born in 1899 and died in 1974. So he had a really long life. Um, so this dude was a composer and a musician and a band leader, and he was an extremely famous jazz musician. He was born in Washington, D.C., and then in the 1920s, he moved down to New York City. He, after like a pretty rough start out, he managed to land a gig at the Kentucky Club on Broadway. And then he played in the Kentucky Club with his orchestra for the next four years. Um, then in 1927, his orchestra landed a job in the Cotton Club. If you don't know what the Cotton Club is, it was this club um 
And it was this club in Harlem, and it was a very popular venue for many black musicians to play. However, and this is very interesting, um, while many black musicians were allowed to play there, it was a white-only club, so only white people could enjoy the music. And I think that, coupled with the Cotton Club, its name is just very a very fun time, if I do say so myself. Um, that was sarcasm. So, um, Ellington liked to highlight distinct technique. He... Um, he was a very unique player, and I think many, many people loved his music. His concerto for Cootie, named in honor to the trumpet player Charles Cootie Williams, was the first jazz composition in the form of a concerto that is a three-movement piece of music. Um, Ellington didn't stop breaking musical conventions. He was a big advocator for like pushing the envelope. He invented his own harmonic language. Okay, so then as the country sank into a Great Depression, many band leaders had troubles making ends meet, but uh, not our Mr. Duke Ellington. He flourished. Uh, the 1930s was a great time for him. He was caught up in a musical and social whirlwind. He toured. He was playing Broadway shows. He appeared in movies like Symphony Black, A Rhapsody of a Negro Life. He was on the radio. And he shattered a lot of long-standing racial bar barriers uh, by performing in theaters and hotels that were previously barred to Black people. Um, and this this cemented him as one of the greatest musicians of the time. The next person I want to talk about is Bill Robinson, Bill Bojangles Robinson. He was a famous tap dancer. He was born in Richmond, Virginia in 1879. Nah, 1878, and he died in 1948. Um, he began his dancing career in local saloons at the age of six, and he became a popular fix fixture in the vaudeville, I think I said that right, vaudeville circus just two years after that. Um, while he was still a child, he was given his famous nickname of Bojangles, even though Robinson himself was unsure of where it came from. So in 1905, Robinson forged a partnership with agent Marty Forkins, and this actually lasted his entire life, and Marty Forkins got Bill Bojangles Robinson um, a golden opportunity. He gave him the chance to develop a solo act. American uh, African-American dancers rarely had the chance to do that at the time period. They almost exclusively appeared in pairs. So Robinson made the most of it. He toured the entire he toured the United States and Europe until the late 20s. 1920s that is. Uh, Robinson took up residence in Harlem in 1928 and that was when he landed a role in Blackbirds. This is an all-black musical uh, revue um, and but but it was staged by a white producer for white audience. That seems to be a running theme from this time period. Um, tap dancing on so Tap dancing. That was Bilbo Jangle Robinson. Um, that was his thing. He was a amazing tap dancer. 
He tap danced high on his toes, moving his upper body with understated grace. If um, if you've ever seen a video of him tap dancing, you can just see that this guy is such a great dancer. Um, he displayed like this lightness and a finesse that I almost never see in people. Um, he shunned the frantic style of his predecessors for a more elegant, elegant, not elegant, elegant, precise form of tap. Um, his talent gave him entree and I'm pronouncing all of these words so badly, but his talent allowed him into two worlds, the white and black entertainment. Yet he was never completely accepted in either one of him. The in either one. White audiences adored his films. Um he co-starred with Shirley Temple and Will Rogers, but his roles were based on racist stereotypes, and well, I don't think anyone would really accept the white would really uh, uh, think the white community would accept a black person into their ranks, at least in that time period. And then um, his forays, he only did a couple um, acting roles in black films. Uh, notably Harlem is Heaven, but those didn't make much money. While they were artistically satisfying, they just weren't as much of a commercial hit. Robinson also began performing at Harlem's Cotton Club in the mid-1830s. 18, 18, in 1939, he joined the Broadway cast of an African-American musical called Hot Mikado. Um, this, he cemented his celebrity status and he was named the honorary mayor of Harlem. That was a huge deal. Um, and he was the mascot of the New York Giants baseball team. Um, many, however, however, there was um, many prominent African-Americans found these distinctions to be kind of demeaning and paternalistic, which I can understand. Like they were kind of making Robinson their pet. But despite the racial tension, Robinson did revolutionize his art tap dancing and conquered both the stage and screen and he triumphs as a Harlem legend to this day. Oh, one more person I want to talk about is Langston Hughes. I think many people have heard of Langston Hughes. I myself had heard of him before this. Um, for some reason, I thought he was a white man, maybe like the whitewashing of our history, but like he's not. He is a black man. Um, he was born in 1902 and he died in 1967. He was a poet, a novelist, a playwright, and essayist. Um, he was allowed as the poet Laridi. Oh my God, I can't speak. Um, poet of Harlem, let's say. I can't pronounce that word. Um, in the 1920s, Langston Hughes was one of the first African Americans to earn a living solely as a writer. Hughes was not only main for his poetry, but he also wrote plays, novels, a lot of nonfiction pieces, and he even wrote an opera. In his explorations of like race and social justice and African American culture, Hughes' writing style vividly captured like the political and social and like artistic climates of Harlem in like the 1920s and 1930s. Um, Harlem moved to Harlem. Hughes moved to Harlem in 1926, and he befriended people such as Aaron Douglas, County Cullen, and Elaine Locke, I think. Um, his works were infused and inspired by the jazz and blues of the time period. Um, um, <clears throat> 
Hughes managed to weave the rhythms of contemporary music into his poems, and his writing was often riffed with the energy and life of Harlem itself, which I I think wouldn't be hard to do when you're surrounded by such amazing people and amazing things being created. Um, in his path-breaking poem, The Weary Blues, singled out for a literary award by Opportunity Magazine in 1924, um, Langston combined Black vernacular speech with blues rhythm, breaking from traditional literary forms. This kind of seems to be like a, a another pattern. All of these famous people are breaking out of stereotypes, which are breaking out of tradition, which I think is a great way to cement yourself as a um, icon. Um, so the recognition in Opportunity Magazine encouraged Hughes to publish his first collection of poetry entitled The Weary Blues, which was the name of his poem. Um, yeah, I I love Langston Hughes. I've read a couple of his poems, and I just think they're so amazing. Um, okay, so... I was only going to talk about three people, but I really wanted to talk about a girl. So let's talk about Bessie Smith. Uh, she was born in 1894 and she died in 1937 and she was a famous singer. She was known as the Empress of Blues for the ma majesty and power in which she belted out her tunes. She is unforgettable. I love Bessie Smith. Um, she was her amazing, unique, unforgettable voice established her as the classical blues singer. Uh, she was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and she was coached by blues singer Ma Rainey. And she was touring the South by the time she was in her teens. That's pretty impressive. Um, in 1923, she headed for New York City. And her first release, Downhearted Blues, sold more than 7,500,000, 7,550, I don't know. It sold a lot of copies, a lot, in only one month. Um, in coming years, she would record with many, many famous musicians, including Fletcher Henderson, James E. Johnson, and... Louis Armstrong. For okay, so for the most part, only African American audiences caught her earliest live performances. She liked to sing at like speakeasies and rent parties, uh, classic things from the twenties, in my opinion, at least. Um, and buffet flats, which were a thing. These were private apartments that black people rented out for the night in the era of hotel segregation. She um, sang at the Lafayette Theater, the Lincoln Theater. She even did a summer tent show dubbed the Harlem Frolics. Um, so she was very tall for a girl. She was six feet tall, and she had an extremely imposing stage presence. Her physique was matched by the strength and like the sh uh, the 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 amazingness of her voice. And like she was just so fierce. She was a business acumen, toughness, and heavy drinking set in her, I don't know what I just said, but she was a huge contrast to the petite, demure white singers of the day, and I think she's amazing. Um, she, Her voice captured the hearts of black and white audiences everywhere, and her she had an electrifying stage presence uh, that served to well in film and theater as well. She starred in the movie St. Louis Blues in 1928 and 
She substituted for Billie Holiday in the music show Stars Over Broadway in 1935. Okay, so I should probably record an outro, so I just wanted to say thank you all for listening. Um, And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode.